Anyway, today we're going to be in uh, 1 John. Uh, as well as the Gospel of John, so you might keep a finger in both places. <coughs> uh, while you're getting there, let me, uh, let me go ahead and pray. God, so thankful for today and thankful for another week that uh, you've allowed us to gather together as a body. You've allowed us to gather together as your people. You've allowed us to gather together uh, and worship and study your word as your people. <clears throat> God, I pray today that as we look at First John, we look at this formula that you have for us uh, for our joy to be complete. Uh, God, that you uh, would convict us of sin in our lives. God, that you would grant us repentance of that sin. God, that we would understand uh, the importance of fellowship uh, with one another and fellowship with you. Uh, God, open our minds uh, through the Holy Spirit. Allow us to have understanding uh, today of what your word has to say to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Anybody uh, out there like me that kind of, when you were going through school, like math was kind of a struggle? I, I wasn't very good at math. Somehow as an adult, I'm really good at math now, and I'm, I'm like, I'm not sure how that works. <laughs> I spent several years as a mortgage broker, and math was kind of my life for a while. But, but as a kid, um, <clears throat> it wasn't my greatest subject by, by any stretch, right? And many of you guys know about the landing and, and you know, our, our involvement there. And, you know, the, the biggest thing that we run into, probably the, the greatest need that we have with regard to tutoring is kids struggle with math, right? It's... It's a hard, uh, hard concept to grasp, and certainly requirements now are much greater than they were, uh, for example, when I was going through school or when some of you were going through school, but, but just math, you know, becomes a struggle. But, but here, here's the thing about math, you guys. If, if you do math right, it, it works every time. There's never an instance where 2 plus 2 doesn't equal 4, right? Every time, 2 plus 2 equals 4. Every time... 5 plus 5 equals 10. Every time, if, if you do math the right way, it works. Right, Just coming off of this last couple weeks of fasting, uh, hearing many of you talk about uh, experiences that, that you had during this time and ways in which God met you, uh, hearing many people make comments like, gosh, if we could just do this all the time, or if this could continue, right, if I could have this feeling all of the time, right, why can't we, we do that? Uh, and while for many of us we, we physically may not be able to fast seven days a week every week, right, we've got we to gotta have food. Uh, for many of us, while maybe our schedules may not allow us uh, to come down here two and three times a day, every day of the week, uh, to read that the Bible in First John gives us a formula uh, to continue some of the things that, that we experienced in this last couple of weeks, right? And, and, and it's not rocket science, right? This is simple two plus two equals four type of math that we see lined out for us <clears throat> here in First John, right? Hearing people talk, some some of the things that that continue to come up is comments like, uh, man, I just really enjoyed the, the fellowship of, of the last couple of weeks, coming down, 
once or twice or three times a day and <clears throat> getting to, to spend time with people who I normally don't get to spend time with, hearing people talk about, uh, well, gosh, I go to second service and I, and I met this person that goes to first service and man, we just became really fast friends this week, uh, you know, through coming down and reading the word together, hearing people talk about uh, just the, the value of fellowship uh, in their life, right? And, and so the question then becomes, like, how, how can we do this all the time? How can we continue this type of fellowship um, where God moves in the midst of this fellowship? And so First uh, John, we're going to, let's just read First John. We're just going to be in the first four verses today. And like I said, put, put your finger in the, the gospel of John chapter 1 because we're going to be there in just a minute also. And uh, I've got a few other scriptures that we're going to look at today. You guys don't have to turn to all of them. Several of them I'm just going to read because they're going to come kind of rapid fire. So I don't want anybody to just you know feel like they're getting lost in the shuffle because you're trying to figure out where we're at. So First John and the Gospel of John, right? Kind of keep your, your fingers there. So First uh, John chapter 1 says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and touched with our hands, Concerning the word of life, the life was made manifest and we saw it and testified to it and proclaimed to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. Now, let's just stop right there for a second. Some of you, uh, you may know who John's talking about and others of you may be wondering who, who in the world, what in the world is, is John trying to get out here. He's kind of repeating himself, maybe a little bit of double talk here. What in the world is he, is he talking about? And so to get an idea, let's now let's go to, to John chapter 1. John being the author of the Gospel of John and also being the author of First John, right here in the Gospel of John chapter 1, maybe gives us a, a little better idea of what he's getting at. <clears throat> and he starts out, John chapter 1, by saying, The beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Right? And, and most of your Bibles probably has the capital W on, on Word. Right? And we know that, that this is referring to Jesus. Right? In the beginning was, was Jesus, and Jesus was with God, and Jesus was God. And so John, in First John, is talking about Jesus. I don't know if you know anything about John, but he perhaps was, was the disciple who, who most intimately knew Jesus, right? Throughout the Gospel of John, he's referred to as uh, the disciple whom Jesus loved, right? He, ne he never refers to himself by name, but he always refers to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. Uh, he was an eyewitness of the life of Jesus, Right, he was an eyewitness, of the, the Gospel of John is his eyewitness account of the life of Jesus. Right, he, he saw the way Jesus lived. He heard the way Jesus talked. He saw Jesus heal people. Uh, matter of fact, when Jesus was dying on the cross in John 19, he asked John, he entrusted John with the care of his mother after he passed away. And so that gives you kind of an idea of the, the level of intimacy between Jesus and John that Jesus would ask him to look after his mother, <clears throat> right? So, so when John speaks of Jesus, he speaks of Jesus from a firsthand experience, a firsthand account, um, having intimately known Jesus, having been intimately involved in the details 
uh, of the life of Jesus during his last few years on this earth. So, so this, is, this is who John is, and so this is the perspective uh, from which he writes, intimately knowing Jesus. And so as we go through uh, the first 18 verses of, of John chapter 1, we're going to get a glimpse, get a picture of who Jesus is, this Jesus that John is familiar with is Jesus who he is intimate, who he intimately knows. So John chapter one, as we, we've already read a portion of, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God and the word, the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. So, so we know Jesus is eternal, right? Jesus is eternal. Uh, many of us, when we think of eternity, might, might think of eternity from like now forward, from this point forward, you know, forever going forward, but if you want something to little boggle your mind a little bit, think of eternity from now backwards, right? Eternity past, right? We, we, we maybe can, can kind of grasp this concept a little bit of God existing from now forward through eternity, but it's a little bit harder to grasp the idea of God existing uh, from this point, eternity past, right? So, so God is eternal. John tells us that he is eternal, Right, he goes on to say in verse 3 that all things were made through him, and through him was not anything made that was made. So Jesus is the creator, right? the creator of the heavens, the creator of the earth. Uh, but you don't have to turn there. I'm just going to read this, but Colossians kind of speaks to this in the first chapter. Speaking of Jesus, it says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is the beginning, he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. <clears throat> Jesus is pretty big, right, as, as, we, as we read through these things. Kind of get the, this big picture of, of who Jesus is. Well, back in John, he, he continues in verse 4, and he says, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Right? Jesus is life. Apart from him, there is no life. Right? Jesus is our life. But he goes on in verse 5 uh, of, of the first chapter of John to say that the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This is referring to John the Baptist. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light, right? So, so not only is Jesus life, but Jesus is the light that shines in the darkness. First uh, John, you don't have to turn back there, just listen, but First John chapter 1, verse 5 puts it this way. It says, this is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another in the blood of Jesus. His son cleanses us from all sin. Jesus, our life. Jesus, our light that exposes the darkness. 
back in verse 9 of John chapter 1, he goes on to say, the true light which enlightens everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. Jesus was sent, right? Jesus was sent to this world to be these things, to be our life, to be our light, right? To be creator, to be eternal. Jesus was sent, right? John chapter 1 goes on to say that he came to his own and his people did not receive him, right? So Jesus was rejected, not only rejected by the people of that time, physically rejected, but, but Jesus is rejected by, by us, right? Until the moment that we come to faith, <clears throat> we've, we've rejected Jesus. We've rejected the light. We've rejected the life. Philippians 2 puts it this way. It says, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself and by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So we kind of went through all, all that pretty, pretty rapid fire there, but are you getting, uh, getting a picture of who Jesus is? Hopefully your, your picture in the last couple of minutes is getting bigger uh, of who Jesus is. Uh, continuing in John chapter 1, verse 12. But to all who did receive him, to all believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So we see Jesus as being the justifier, Jesus the justifier of our faith. We were born not, not of our will, not of human will, but of God's will. Right? And he goes on in verse 14 to say, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory is of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace, for the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So we see Jesus as the giver of grace. The giver of grace. And in verse 18, he says, No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. And so in all of this, in all of who, who Jesus is, verse 18 tells us that we can know Jesus. We can know who he is. That, that's huge. I mean, just quickly listening to all of those things that, that, that Jesus is, the fact that we can know Jesus. The fact that we can know Jesus is incredible. Titus chapter 3 has this to say. It says, For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others, 
and hating one another. That being us, right? How, how in the world are we able to know Jesus? Right? But then it goes on and it says, But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us. Not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy. By the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit, who be poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. It's one of my favorite passages in the whole Bible. Right? It just paints this ugly picture of who we are, and this beautiful picture of who God is. Right? And, and that, that we could know God, we could become heirs, we could have the hope of eternal life. How incredible is that, you guys? Absolutely incredible. So bringing it back now to 1 John, this is who John is, is talking about in those first three verses of 1 John. This is the Jesus, this is the picture for us to have in mind as, as John is trying to spell these things out to us. So now with that in mind, now that, now that we have this picture of who Jesus is, let's read those first three verses in 1 John again. That which was from the beginning, Jesus, which we have heard, Jesus, which we have seen with our eyes, Jesus, which we have looked upon, Jesus, and touched with our hands, Jesus, concerning the word of life, Jesus, the life was made manifest, Jesus, and we saw it, Jesus, and we testified to it, Jesus, and we proclaimed to you the eternal life, Jesus, which was with the Father and made manifest to us, Jesus. That which we have seen, Jesus, and heard, Jesus, we proclaim also to you, and why is John making this proclamation? Right, he, He's kind of set it up that, that all of this is because of Jesus. Here's who Jesus is. Here's the basis for what's going to be said next. So, so, so what is he proclaiming and why is he making this proclamation? He says, we proclaim also to you so that you may have fellowship. So that you may have fellowship. So fellowship seems like it would be pretty important, right? If, if John is establishing this basis of, of, of who Jesus is and, and his experience with Jesus, and he's saying that, that because I know Jesus, because I've experienced Jesus, I'm proclaiming this to you so that you may have fellowship. So this fellowship, whatever it is, seems like there, there's some importance there. It seems like that this should be a pretty big deal. And so it kind of begs the question, what is fellowship? Right? What is fellowship? And if we went around and we pulled the room, um, asked you guys to raise your hands, and you know, somebody give me an answer of what fellowship is, we, we probably would have varying answers uh, around the room of what fellowship is. But, but I'll tell you, uh, before we get into what it is, what fellowship isn't. Right? Fellowship is not the eight minutes after the music and before the sermon. Right? That's not fellowship. Um, not the totality of fellowship anyway. Um, certainly can be uh, a form of fellowship, but it's not the totality of fellowship. 
right? Going to a 242 group is not the totality of fellowship. Going to uh, a men's study or a women's study or a senior's study or, or youth group, it's not the totality of fellowship. Those things all together can, can be fellowship, but not in and of themselves the totality of fellowship, right? What, what this word is here that, that John is getting at when he uses fellowship kind of has some, some implications to it, right? One of those implications is association, right? Another implication is community. We've been talking a little bit about community here, there, in the context of 242 groups. Uh, joint participation, right? We certainly have plenty of things that we do together, but, but here's, here's one that may, may throw you for a loop. The other implication of this word is intercourse, right? Some of you are like, whoa, wasn't expecting that, right? This, this kind of gives you an idea of the level of fellowship that, that John is, is talking about here, the level of intimacy that, that we are to have with one another as God's people, <clears throat> right? Um, it kind of it gives you this picture, this idea of the level of intimacy that, that God has called us to as his people, as those who profess the name of Christ. Right? Jeremiah 32 says this. This is God speaking. And he says, that they shall be my people, and I will be their God. I will give them one heart and one way, that they may fear me forever for their own good and for the good of their children after them. I will make with them an everlasting covenant that I will not turn away from doing good to them. And I will put the fear of me in their hearts that they may not turn from me. I will rejoice in doing them good and I will plant them in this land in faithfulness with all my heart and all my soul. Right? God being our God and and us being his people. Him giving us one heart in one way. This is the fellowship that John talks about here. Him being our God, us being his people, and together having one heart in one way. This is the fellowship that John is getting at. Right? And so in this, there's kind of two two types of fellowship that we have. Uh, One is is with one another, and, and the other fellowship that we have is with God, right? So, so think about, if you would, for a second, just the, the people in this room, <clears throat> right? Probably for, for many of you, if you're like me, there, there's people here who you are well acquainted with, right? People who you would consider close friends, people who you speak with often, several times maybe throughout the week. You go to their house for dinner, they come to your house, your kids stay at their house, and their kids stay at your house, right? And, and, and there's also people here who uh, maybe the depth of your relationship is shaking hands on Sunday morning and asking how the work week went, right? Or how this next week is, is looking. And maybe for some of you, yeah, there's other people in the room that you look at and you think, man, I, I probably should, should meet that person. I haven't met him yet. And uh, man, we've been here for, for three years and so is that person. And I've never taken the time to go introduce myself, right? And, and so we have these varying levels of, of fellowship uh, or relationship with the people in this room, right? And, and if, if this is true, what we read in 1 John, that, that the level of fellowship that God has called us to as his people includes 
these things, association, community, joint participation, intercourse, that, that speaks of a deeper level of relationship than shaking hands on a Sunday morning. It speaks of a deeper level of relationship than looking across the room thinking, man, I really should know that person's name, but I, but I don't. Right? And I'm not saying this to throw a guilt trip on anybody. I'm just trying to paint this picture, you guys, of the, the fellowship that God has called us to, the fellowship that God has created us to have. Right? Um, and so we get a picture kind of of what this fellowship looks like uh, in Acts chapter 2. And many of you guys are familiar with Acts chapter 2. Uh, many of you guys that are involved in, in a 242 group know that, that that's where we derive the name of our 242 groups from the verse Acts 242, right? And, and so just to kind of set the stage as to what's happening here in Acts, right? G- Jesus has, has ascended into heaven. The, the, the disciples and, and others were waiting in the upper room, waiting for the Holy Spirit, right? The Holy Spirit comes. Uh, Peter, who... Throughout the gospel accounts, this guy Peter was kind of a doofus, but we get to Acts chapter 2, he gets the Holy Spirit, and this guy, like the dude, just becomes a rock, right? He just becomes a pillar of the church, and so he he preaches a sermon in Acts chapter 2, basically outlining the gospel to thousands of people, and many people uh, come to faith that day. Several thousand people come to faith as a result of Peter preaching the gospel as a result of God sending the Holy Spirit, right? And and so that's where we kind of pick it up when we get to Acts 2.42. So keep in mind that that here the Holy Spirit has come, the gospel has been preached, and Acts 2.42 we see the result, the result of the Holy Spirit, the gospel being preached, and it says this, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers, and that's usually where we stop, but, but we're going to keep going. It says, And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. <clears throat> and all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all of the people. And the Lord added to their number Day by day, those who were being saved. Right? This is a, a beautiful picture of the fellowship, the level of fellowship, the type of fellowship which God calls us to. Right? A fellowship that is the result of the Holy Spirit being in our midst. A fellowship that is the result of centering our lives in the gospel. Right? I mean, did you, did you catch the things that, that are happening here? They're, they're devoted to teaching and fellowship and, and the breaking of bread, which, which could refer to communion or it could refer to, to just sharing meals. But, but either way, both, both, both are cool, right? They're devoted to prayer. Um, and, and awe, it says, came upon them. Signs and wonders were being done. Um, all that believed were together, and, and nobody considered their possessions their own, but they sold everything they had and gave to one another as they had need. Right, you guys are, are well aware, many of you, that, that you know, there are people in our body that, that have needs. We're constantly, you know, coming before the body, saying, we, you know, there's people that have needs for, you know, different things. Uh, here in Acts chapter two, no, nobody had need because they just took care of one another. Right, as a result of 
the Holy Spirit and, and gospel-centered living, right? Day by day, they attended the temple together, right? They, they, were, they were here at church, right, every day, breaking bread in their homes, right, sharing meals, uh, received their food with glad and generous hearts. They praised God, and they had favor with people, right? And did you catch this part here about having favor with people? The thing that comes after it that says that the, the God added to their number daily those who were being saved? Here, here, here's what's happening here, you guys. People on the outside, people outside of the faith are looking at these people who are, who are living gospel-centered lives, who are living in the power of the Holy Spirit, who have attained this level of fellowship that, that God has called us to. And you have these outsiders, people who are not a part of the faith, looking at that and saying, i got to be a part of it. I don't know what's going on there, but I have got to be a part of that. <laughs> right? That's incredible. When, 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 we, when we have fellowship the way God has designed us to have fellowship, right? People that are not a part of that look at it and say, I want that. I need that. I have to be a part of it. And that's what's happening here in Acts 2.42. And daily, people are being added to their number. Right? Those who are being saved, right? What, what is, how does Jesus tell us that, that the world will know who his disciples are? It's because of our love for one another, right? <clears throat> this is happening here in Acts chapter 2. The love of, of Jesus, the, the grace of God is, is on display, right? It's on display. And so people who aren't a part of it want to be a part of it. Right here, people, you know, talking about in the last couple of weeks about, you know, God bringing revival and, and man, how, how cool would that be? Uh, how great would it be? It would be an awesome thing. It, it, it's happening in Acts 2.42 and, and it's, not, it's not rocket science, right? People living their lives on the, the basis of, of Jesus and who he is and what he's done and understanding fellowship with one another, Right? In, in, in a gospel-centered way, through the power of the Holy Spirit, it, it revival happens. Right? Revival happens. The math works every time. Right? Two plus two is always four. It's the same thing here. The math works every time. So, so God has called us to this intimate level of fellowship with, with one another. That's kind of a scary thing for some of us. Right? It's it's a scary thing that, that we would be that intimately involved in one another's lives because, and I'll just speak for me, you can speak for you, but I'll speak for me, I don't want you to know my dirty laundry. I don't want you to know my shortcomings. I don't want you to know my sin. Right? I, I want to stand up here and I want you guys to, to look this way and say, man, that dude's got it all together. Right? It's, what, it's my human nature. It's my flesh. It's what it wants, right? It's what your flesh wants. It's what your human nature wants. And so it's, it's counterintuitive to us to live in community, to live in such a way where we can expose our sin, where we can expose our shortcomings. And that's the scary part of, of this intimate fellowship with one another, 
right? But, but with the, the basis of that fellowship is, is Jesus and who he is and what he's done, right? When, when, when our identity is firmly rooted, firmly planted in Christ, not in, not in my performance, not in my ability to do good or, or the lack of my ability to do good, when, when my identity, when your identity is planted in Christ, and who he is and what he has already done and the grace that he has shown to me, the mercy that he's extended to me, then you know what? I don't care if you know my business. I don't care if you know my shortcomings and my failures and, and my sin because my identity is not wrapped up in my performance, right? My identity, your identity is wrapped up in the performance of Jesus, Right? And that's an easy thing to talk about, and it's a whole other thing to, to walk out of the door and, and, and to live in that identity, and, and just don't have time to unpack that for today, so we'll save that for another time. Um, but, but this fellowship, this intimate fellowship that God has called us to is not an optional thing if we read the Bible and interpret it correctly. It's not an optional thing. It's something that we were created for, something that we are called to, and something that we do because, or something that we participate in because of what Jesus has done and who he is, right? And so, so we have this fellowship with one another, right? In addition to our fellowship with one another, First uh, John tells us that, that we have fellowship with God, right? Fellowship with God. Galatians chapter 4 puts it this way. It says, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, so you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. And so our, our fellowship with God is different than our fellowship with one another. Right? Our fellowship with one another is, is based on, on this intimacy, right? this intimate relationship that, that we have with, with one another. And yes, our fellowship with God is intimate too, but it's a different kind of of intimacy because Galatians clearly tells us that, that he has adopted us, right? We are adopted by God. And so the basis of our fellowship with God is that he, if, if we have come to faith, right? If you're here today and you profess faith in Christ and you've surrendered your life to him and you live in obedience to him, Galatians tells us, tells you that, that you are adopted by God and that he's given you uh, a heart to cry out, Abba, Father. In other words, that, that, that he's given you a heart to understand this adoption into God's family. Right, so we see these two sides of fellowship, right? Fellowship with, with one another that, that is intimate, and fellowship with, with God because he has adopted us as his children, Right, and, and for, for many of us, it, me, me included at, at times in my life, and, and, and maybe some of you guys can relate, we, we, we understand the Jesus part of the equation. Right? We understand uh, who God is. We understand that, that, that we're sinners. We understand that, that Jesus lived the life that, that none of us were capable of living, and we understand that Jesus died the death that we all deserved to die 
and, and we, we have this understanding uh, that we need Jesus, right? Uh, but we could do without the fellowship, right? We could do without God's people, right? Because let's be honest, God's people rub us the wrong way sometimes, <laughs> right? Um, there's some of you that rub me the wrong way at times, and, and vice versa. I'm sure I rub some of you the wrong way at times. And so we struggle with this idea of fellowship, right? And, and so we say things like, well, I, I don't need to go to church to be a Christian. Um, and I, I might argue that, but we'll save that for another day also. Uh, we say things like, uh, I can go out in the woods and, and read my Bible and be closer to God than, than if I were to come here, right? And, and, and maybe for you, there is some truth to that. Maybe you can go out of the woods and you know, feel the, this intimacy with God that, that you don't feel here. But would, would we take the fellowship aspect out of the equation that the math no longer works. And we're going to get to in a minute kind of the answer to the equation. But for now, suffice it to say that when we, when we take one part of the equation away, then the equation no longer works, right? Two plus is not four, right? It's two plus two that's four, right? And so, so we have to have every part of the equation for, for the math to work every time. So, so just for most of us, this fellowship with, with other people, this intimacy with other people, like we even kind of get the fellowship with God part of it, I, th I think a lot of us. Uh, we get the Jesus part of it. We get the fellowship with God part of it. A lot of us could do without the, the fellowship with God's people part of it, right? Because maybe we've been burned. Uh, you know, whatever, I'm sure all of us would, would have our, our list uh, of reasons, myself included. Uh, but the equation at that point no longer works. Right? So if the basis of our fellowship is Jesus, who he is, and what he's done, and if we understand that we need fellowship, that we're called to fellowship with God's people, with God himself, then what's what's the result? What, what's what's the answer? Right? What's what's the result of the equation? Right. So let, let's read these verses in First John uh, again, making it a little bit farther this time. Right. Starting at the beginning, <clears throat> he says, "That which was from the beginning, Jesus, which we have heard, Jesus, which we have seen with our eyes, Jesus, which we have looked upon, Jesus, and touched with our hands, Jesus, concerning the word of life, Jesus." The life was manifest, made manifest, Jesus, and we saw it, Jesus, and we testified to it, Jesus, and proclaimed to you the eternal life, Jesus, which was with the Father and made manifest to us, Jesus. That which we have seen, Jesus, and heard, Jesus, we proclaim also to you. And why do we make this proclamation? So that you may have fellowship or intimacy with us. And our fellowship, not my fellowship, not, not your fellowship, but our fellowship or adoption is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing this, we are writing Jesus being the basis of fellowship, right? Intimacy and adoption being the reason for fellowship. And here's the result of fellowship, that our joy may be complete. Right, that our joy may be complete. 
2 plus 2 equals 4 every time. Jesus and fellowship equal the completeness of joy every time. Every time, right? And again, if, if, you, if you missed it, he didn't say my joy or your joy, pointing to the joy of the individual, but he said our joy, <clears throat> pointing to the joy of the community, right? In other words, <clears throat> your joy, my joy, your joy is not complete if it's not our joy, Right? Let's be, let's be real with one another. How many of us at the end of the day would love to, to have our joy complete? Right? How many of us spend so much of our energy, so much of our time chasing joy or chasing happiness? And, and you know, two, two different things, but, but we chase those things. Right? And what we're doing is we're, we're chasing the answer to the equation without chasing the, the components of the equation that get us there, right? Chasing after joy by itself, right? It's like chasing your tail. You're never going to get it, right? If that's all you do is chase joy, you're going to be chasing it for the rest of your life, right? If, if all you're chasing after is Jesus and you're leaving out the, the fellowship part of it, you're, you're never, your joy is never going to be complete, right? It's always going to be lacking, Right, and, and if, if you just chase after the, the fellowship part of it, but, but you don't want the Jesus part of it because, hey, if, if, if I believe these things about Jesus, then I have to submit to him. Right? If I believe all of these things that, that John laid out in, in his gospel, in the first chapter of his gospel, if I believe that Jesus is eternal, that he's the creator, that he's the life, that he's the light, that he's the justifier, that he's the giver of grace and that he's made it available for me to know him. If you don't want that, but you just want to have the fellowship part of it, right? Want people who, who maybe care about your people who's, who can be involved in your life. That, that again, your joy is always going to be lacking always because you don't have the whole equation. First Peter chapter 2 says this, it says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. Right? This is our identity in Christ, you guys, as a community, not as individuals, but as a community. A chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's possession. Right, and here's the reason, right? The, the reason that God has given us this identity, First Peter 2 goes on to say, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Right, our, our duty as a community, our duty in fellowship is that we would proclaim his excellencies, that, that, that his love, that his grace would be on display Right? In such a way, like we saw in Acts chapter 2, where people outside of the faith saw that and said, man, I need to be a part of that. Right? This, that's our, this is our identity in Christ and, and what he has called us to. Right? And that scripture goes on to say, once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Right? We read that in Jeremiah. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. 
right? This, this beautiful picture of not, not who God has called you to be or be to be, but who God has called us to be, right? Who God has called us as a community, as a fellowship of believers to be, right? And it's not that we have to work hard to, to be this, to do this. I think sometimes we can make the mistake of, you know, the Bible says this, so, so you need to just work really hard and, and do it. Here's the reality. You can work really hard and do whatever, but, but eventually you're going to fail at it, and so am I, because I, I'm a sinner, uh, and so are you, right? And, and so, so I don't want to stand up here and say, you know, go proclaim the excellencies of him who called you uh, out of the darkness into his marvelous light, and, you know, work really hard to do that everywhere you go, uh, but, but, but what I want to stand up here and say is this is who God has, has called you to be. And, and because it's who you are, you do it out of the understanding of who God is and what Jesus has done. Just like John was getting at, right? Here's Jesus who I've experienced, who I've witnessed, who I've seen, who I've heard, right? Because of my experience with Jesus, because of who I know him to be, then this is the result. Not because I'm working hard to try to gain God's favor, but because I understand who Christ has, has made me and who Christ has called me to be. And because of that, the natural byproduct of that understanding is that I just do these things, right? They just happen. Not because I try hard to, to do it, but because they, they just happen because of the Holy Spirit in my life. And again, we see that picture in Acts 2. Uh, at the end of the chapter there, of that exact thing taking place. Uh, one, one commentator that I read, and, and uh, I'm going to end with this, but, it, but if you guys could just close your eyes for just a minute. I, I want to read this. I just want, want you guys to, to really listen uh, to this, because I thought this was really uh, a beautiful take on those first four verses of First John, uh, written by one commentator, and it goes like this. That essential good, that uncreated excellence, which had been from the beginning, from eternity as equal with the Father, and which at length appeared in human nature for the salvation of sinners, was the great subject concerning which the apostle wrote to his brethren. The apostle had seen him while they witnessed his wisdom and holiness, his miracles and love and mercy during some years till they saw him crucified for sinners and afterwards risen from the dead. They touched him so as to have full proof of his resurrection. This divine person, the word of life, the word of God, appeared in human nature that he might be the author and giver of eternal life to mankind through the redemption of his blood and the influence of his new creating spirit. The apostles declared what they had seen and heard that believers might share their comforts and everlasting advantages. They had free access to God the Father. They had a happy experience of truth in their souls and showed its excellence in their lives. This community of believers with the Father and the Son is begun and kept up by the influence of the Holy Spirit. The benefits Christ bestows are not like the sanctity possessions, not like the sanctity of possessions of the world, causing jealousness in others, but the joy and happiness of communion with God is all sufficient so that any number may partake of it 
and all who are warranted to say that truly their fellowship is with the Father will desire to lead others to partake of the same blessedness. Man, what a, what a beautiful description of what John is, is getting at here. You guys, as, as, as God continues his sanctifying work in our lives, and, and as our understanding grows, and, and, and it's, it's been my experience that for the most of us, I don't, I don't think that the switch just comes on one day and all of a sudden like we just get everything, right? <clears throat> but, but as God continues his sanctifying work in our lives, little, little by little, our, our understanding grows. Our, our picture of, of God and who he is gets a little bit bigger as time goes on, right? Every, every time we, we come to a Bible study and, and read his word, every time we, we show up here midweek, every men's study or women's study or, or whatever that we go to, our understanding grows and, and grows so that as time goes on, our, our picture gets bigger uh, of who God is, right? And, and at some point we could get to the point like John to say, <clears throat> I've experienced Jesus, right? And because I've experienced Jesus, I want you to experience the same thing. Right, and we get to that point because we kind of get it, at least a little bit. Right, our our, our minds are are finite, so we're never going to fully grasp the infinite, uh, this side of heaven. But 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 as God shows us grace, and God allows us to understand more and more of who He is, as we understand Jesus, and as we recognize our desperate need for fellowship with His people and with Him. And as our joy in that becomes complete, then the only thing that we can do at that point is invite other people to be a part of this thing that, that makes our joy complete. Right? Not, not, not a lot of, of me in that equation, not a lot of you in that equation, but a whole lot of, of Jesus, right? A whole lot of the Holy Spirit, right? Not, not a whole lot of, of you and me. Right, and so, uh, Stuart, you come on up, and um, you know, just want to leave you with that thought, right? That the question ha has come up in the last few weeks of, man, how do we how do we continue, right? This 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 feeling that's been going on. How do we continue the sense of community? How do we continue these experiences <clears throat> that we've been having? over the last couple of weeks and the, the equation is really simple. It's a two plus two equals four type equation and it's, it's Jesus and fellowship equals the completeness of our joy, right? It's, it's, not, it's not rocket science. It's not difficult, right? And, and so the question comes for us then, Okay, how, how, do I, how do I grow in my understanding of, of Jesus and who he is? It, it, and that's an easy one. God, God's word reveals to us everything we need to know about who Jesus is, right? So, so know God's word and you will know God, right? How do I, how, how do I partake in this fellowship, especially when, when people bug me, right? Well, I, I guarantee as, as you get to know God's word, as you get to know God, one of the things that's going to happen is you're going to have a greater understanding of, of your sin and, and, and who you are and, and how ugly you are apart from Christ. 
And when you start to understand that, people don't bug you as much. Right? As you understand that the grace that God has shown you, the mercy that God has shown you, the love that God has shown you, the, the only response to that is showing grace and love and mercy to other people. And so now the fellowship part of it is, is a little bit easier. Right? It's not, not such a cumbersome thing. Right? And not only that, but we recognize our need for it. Right? And, and when those two things happen, right, Jesus and fellowship, every time equals the completeness of our joy. And, and as our joy is complete, you'll find that the people around you, the people that you work with, the people uh, maybe that you live with, the people that, that you have the ability to influence will notice that your joy is complete. And just like in Acts 2, uh, at the end of the chapter, <clears throat> they're going to notice and, and they're going to want to be a part of it. And it's our prayer that because of that, God will continue to add to our number here at Calvary Chapel, Crook County, daily those who are being saved. Let's pray. <clears throat> God, thank you again so much for today. God, it doesn't, doesn't seem like enough to, to say thank you. Um, God, you've done so much for us. None of it we deserve. God, we're simply the recipients of your grace, the beneficiaries of your grace and your glory. And God, we're, we're thankful for it. And it's, it's our prayer today, God, that as we uh, carry on with our day, as we go have lunch, as we go home and take naps, or we go do projects, or whatever it is that, that we do when we leave from here, God, that we would understand and grow in our knowledge of who you are and what it is that you've done for us so that our identity would firmly be rooted in you. And God, that we would just grow in our desire to fellowship, that we would see our need for intimacy with one another and that we would understand the implications of being adopted by you. And God, if those two things happen, then your word tells us that our joy would be complete. So God, we're thankful for your word. We're thankful uh, that, that it has meaning to every aspect of our lives. And just pray, God, as we as we go from here, uh, really now kind of unpacking the, the crux of the gospel, uh, God, these things that if we, if we take away the things that we talked about today, if we take them from the gospel, then we don't have the gospel anymore. And so, God, as, as these things are at, at the heart of the gospel, at the center of the gospel, I pray that you, uh, through the Holy Spirit, would give us understanding, God, and, and allow us to make application to our lives of what your word uh, speaks to us today. God, thank you that you love us in spite of our shortcomings, in spite of our failures, in spite of who we are. You've been listening to the teaching ministry at Calvary Chapel of Crook County, located in Primeville, Oregon. For more information on this ministry, or if you'd like to contribute, please feel free to write us at P.O. Box 378, Primeville, Oregon, 97754. Or check us out further at our website at www.calvarycrookcounty.com. We thank you so much for listening, and we pray that this ministry has blessed you.